This is Keach Rainwater. I'm your designated drummer today on the Designated Drummer Podcast. Here we are once again talking about stuff that we've learned along the way, stuff that I've learned along the way. Well, first of all, let me start by saying the other day was my birthday. I just turned, get get this, 59 years old. I'm 59 years young. And I'm just trying to think of all the things that I've learned along the way over the almost 40 years that I've been playing professionally, playing drums for a living, and the things that I've learned along the way that I thought was one way, but then it turned out being the other way, things that I've learned. Sort of some of them are kind of hard-learned lessons, and some of them are just kind of obvious things that I thought was a certain way that ended up being um, not what I expected. And uh, so since I'm almost 60 years old, I thought the you know, 60 thing kind of popped up. I thought I would just narrow it down to six things because, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the stuff I've learned through the years and all the mistakes I made and um, some of the good things I did and some of the good decisions I made and all that. But I thought I would narrow it down to six things that I've learned, maybe not really necessarily the hard way, but six six important lessons that I've learned over the years being in bands and playing around uh, the world, basically, traveling and touring and that kind of thing, being in a band. Um, I'll start with number one here. When I was younger, my sister and I, my sister Roseanne and I, we were really into making music, and we dreamed about, literally dreamed about having some kind of multi-track system at the house, like to be able to record you know, like drum tracks and guitar tracks and bass and sing vocals and that kind of thing. So, I mean, even a four-track recorder back in the late 70s was very obtainable. We could have had that. But I just thought that, you know, with a four-track, you have to have a mixer and you have to have what you kind of do. You had to have a bunch of microphones and you had to have mic stands and you just had to have the whole studio. I thought, well, we can't afford that. But my father, God rest his soul, uh, he's not with us anymore, but um, he was a great man. And he, he, if, we, if he knew we wanted something, he would do everything he could to make it happen. And I don't think that we ever shared that dream of having like a multi-track, like a four-track or an eight-track or something like that. We just didn't. We just kind of thought in our minds that that wasn't obtainable, that that was just for really, really rich people or for uh, you know people that had a studio or that kind of thing. And uh, he, but he knew that we liked motorcycles. You know, when we were we rode motorcycles a lot, he would buy uh, really nice, uh, relatively expensive uh, little dirt bikes and enduros and things like that because that was kind of what we did as our hobby. We rode motorcycles and that kind of thing. But now here, here comes the lesson part that I learned. If I could go back in time and I had to do it again, and I could say whatever I wanted to say and sort of fix things, I would go back in time and I would tell my father that instead of the motorcycle, how about if you buy us a like a four-track recorder so Roseanne and I can record music? And I really honestly think that that would have changed our whole uh, life. You know, we could have written songs, we could have recorded songs. Now, I'm not unhappy with the way my life turned out. I I'm, I'm, love being a drummer and I love being in bands and things like that, but from a writing standpoint, I think that I would have learned so much and been involved a lot more in songwriting, which is going to be a little bit later in one of my hard-learned lessons here. 
um, basically wishing I had written more, that I had become more of a writer instead of just a drummer. But that's one of the um, hard-learned lessons that I learned is to speak up, you know. Uh, don't be afraid to share your dreams with somebody like your parents and let them really know what it is that you want that you want in your life, that, that you could do great things if you had this thing. I just thought it was sort of obtainable, unobtainable. I kind of thought that, you know, a four-track recorder, we'd have to have a mixer and all this other stuff. Well, it turns out that we could have very, very easily, probably cheaper than one of those motorcycles, we could have had a four-track and recorded music and things like that. But um, as it was, we just used regular cheap, you know, cassette players, and we would play in one track on one and play, hit play and record, uh, sing something into another one, and the quality was terrible. But we learned a little bit about multi-tracking, just, just enough to kind of get our, you know, to just to get our feet wet. But that was really a fun time, and I really just think of, I wished I would have spoken up a little bit more and said, you know, instead of all these motorcycles, I would really love it if we could have a four-track. And you could just find one somewhere, somebody selling a used one or something like that. You know, they were they were obtainable. People were selling them and buying them. And I knew a few friends that had some, that had them. They were a little bit older than me, but they had little four-tracks set up, and I would just dreamed about having some kind of little eight-track or some kind of multi-track system that we could have recorded on. And, uh, oh, my gosh, how that would have informed the rest of my career as far as a writer and even a drummer. I think I could have even been a better studio, like a session player, uh, which didn't actually come about until much later in my career. Early in my career, I was just concentrating on playing live and being a good showman and being a good live drummer. And I think that my what would be, become my studio career sort of uh, was, was late in turning that out because – I really did not have a lot of experience playing in the studio and wish I'd had. Okay, so the next thing um, is basically a hard lesson that I learned. When I was younger, I would see somebody that I really admired, somebody, another musician or another person, um, and I would listen to what they would say and the things that they would say, and I thought they were so cool, man, the way they would handle like, say, for instance, in an argument or something, the way they handled themselves and the way they could state their case and say what they wanted and say it in a very uh, demanding kind of way. And I felt like I was lacking in that a lot of times, that I was too nice or that I was too easygoing or I would let people step on me a little bit. And I would really admire the people that could stand up for themselves and, and kind of be a jerk when they needed to be a jerk just to defend the, their point or whatever. And I would look at them like um, other musicians and people like that. I would look at them. I would look up to them and think like, man, I wish I could be like that. And I would be in a situation where I would think in my mind, I need to be more like that person that I really admire. And I would speak up about something, and I would totally, totally get railroaded like because that wasn't me. I was trying to act like somebody else. And every single time I did that, I fell flat on my face because I, I would think to myself, well, I need to say this here, and I would say it, and then that would be it. I wouldn't think about how to finish that, how to, how to complete that argument or how to state my case even further. I would just like speak up, and then I would just sort of be scared, and I would end up looking like a jerk. And the lesson I learned was just be yourself. Just, just act like who you are. And don't try to act like somebody else that you think is cool 
or that you think um, can really stand up for themselves good or has the skill to argue like a good lawyer would, you know, like um, I always wished to, I always looked up to those guys that were lawyers and they could just argue so well and they was, they could make their point in a pleasant way, but they could state their case and you would agree with them. And I tried to be like that and I just wasn't me. And I found out that when I'm just myself, when I'm just, I don't try to argue, I just go along, I listen and I'll state my case in my own way instead of the way that I think that somebody that's sort of a jerk that I admired, that I looked up to, would say something. And I would try to be them for a minute and it would always come around and bite me. So I learned the hard way to just be yourself, be nice to people, think about what you're going to say before you say it, and then how where this is going to go. And like, um, if you're really stating your case the way it needs to be, or if you're kind of being a jerk or whatever, you have to look at that and think about it. And that was just one of the hard lessons that I learned early, early on. And I've learned over the years, and you just be yourself and state your case the way you would say it and the way you feel without being angry or without um, overstepping your bounds and stepping out of character. Because that's going to throw people sideways when they see you acting a certain way that's not you, that they know you, they know how you act. And when you try to act different, they're going to pick up on that. And they're going to kind of wonder, what's going on here? So just be yourself and be nice to people. And that always works out in the end. That I think that people respect you a lot more if if you're cornered and you can stand up for yourself, that's fine. But, I mean, just to stand up for yourself because you kind of act like somebody else, that's not good. Okay, so anyway, um, number three, writing. Now, I told you I was going to get to this. I When I started out in the early days, I wanted to be a drummer really, really bad. And I would hear other people talk about writing and we're getting together and writing or let's get together and write, a, write this song. It just, to me writing, the word writing sounded so boring to me. It sounded like you're sitting there with a pen and paper and nothing's coming to you. And I've seen people struggle that way, you know, like trying to come up with ideas or things like that. And I just, when I was younger, I did not see the value in that. And I did not want to be a part of that. It just sounded boring to me. I wanted to be more like, uh, like maybe a filmmaker or something with my hand, like a hands-on kind of thing where I could do something with my hands or something creatively, visually, that would be that could end up being something like a movie or a music video or something like that, but not a song. Songs to me just were, this is back in the early days, were just kind of boring to me. I just did not, I didn't have any good ideas. I didn't know what to bring to the table. I didn't know, I didn't really play much of an, I played a few instruments like guitar and I played banjo and drums, of course, but I just didn't realize that I could come to the table with an idea or a groove or a, a storyline of a song, an idea, and that could spark off something that other musicians that play either piano or guitar or something like that could pick up on, and then I would be right in there with the group writing a song, and it could it could be worth something someday. Intellectual property is one of the most valuable things that you could possibly own. Now, I will say that it's possible that it couldn't be worth anything. I mean, it could just be an idea that you came up with that maybe, you know, maybe someday down the line, later down the line, it might resurface, but it could just be buried and forgotten and lost. But it's not like you wasted your time because you worked on that and you got a little bit better 
and you learned what works and what doesn't work and that kind of thing. So that's valuable right there. Even if a song or anything that you're working on, intellectual property-wise, writing, even if it's writing a short story or a, a movie script or anything, um, especially a song, it's got to be worth something because you, that's intellectual property that you're making up. You're you're pulling it out of thin air and making it into a thing. And that's really valuable. And I always try to tell young people that are starting out, uh, get involved in writing. Don't make the mistake I made, which was years ago, which was just saying, oh, that's boring. I don't want to write. I don't have any good ideas. I don't have anything to bring to the table. Um, just let the writers, the clever ones do that. But you, you really cannot say that. You have to get in there and you have to Think of everybody can think of an idea of a romance of a of, of a relationship that you had that didn't work out or one that did uh, a relationship with a sibling um, anything it could be a pet that you had or something like that. There's been some great songs written about pets that you think it's someone talking about a, a loved one a, lo- a lover or something like that, but they're just talking about um, this pet that they really loved and that they that they treasured or that may have passed on and. They're singing about that, but it could be just about anything, and you can bring to the table just about any form of an idea, and it, and then you collaborate with two or three or how many other people or another person or even by yourself and create something that wasn't there before. That's definitely a very, very valuable thing, and I wished that I had done that when I was younger. That was one of the big mistakes I made. I'm involved in it now. I write now. And I write with the band and I have ideas and I've been a part of some things that I've brought to the table. But that I didn't start that till I was probably I was over forty when that when that started. But if I had started back in my teens and twenties, I think that my whole life would probably be a little bit different right now. I could have written some hit songs, let's say. I could have gotten better at that. I could have developed that a little bit better. And obviously the more you do it, the better at it you get and that kind of thing. So definitely, owning intellectual property is king. I mean, you just—that's just what you need to do. You know, whether if you're a musician, to say that no, I don't want to be involved in that. I think that's a mistake because it—it's such a advantageous thing to do to be a part of something original like that, original content. Whether it's a story, a storyline, a song idea, a chord progression, electronic music, anything like that that you create that you own. You own that. That's worth something for sure. And it's kind of fun. Once you get into it a little bit more, you look forward to it more. And I just wish I had started that at an earlier age, but um, there's no time like the present, right? So I've been, especially with COVID going on in the last couple of years, I've been really dusting off my writing skills and trying to get in there and create everything I can create while we're sitting here waiting it out, waiting this thing out. And uh, been able to get out there and make music a little bit in the last year or so. It's been really, really great and really, um, gosh, just um, solidifying and um, galvanizing. I mean, it's just so great to be able to realize that we have this career that that we might have taken for granted before. And now we get out there and play to these crowds that are just loving every note that we play. And they're happy to get out and listen to some live music. And it's really great. So... Um, the next thing I'll talk about, uh, number five, no, sorry, we're on number four, is don't give up. Stay with it. I mean, a lot of people in the early days when I was starting out, I knew some people that were great musicians, 
they were fantastic musicians, but they just were a little impatient with the whole process of uh, maybe getting a record deal or not even getting a record deal, just putting a band together, being in a band, getting some a little bit of success, whether it be playing live somewhere, writing songs, trying to put a band together, trying to keep musicians together. That's always the hardest thing with a band is trying to keep a group of guys together who have other options, who constantly are getting bombarded by other people saying, hey, come join our band. We have a better deal than what you got going there. And they always the grass always seems to be greener to some people. But to, to get in a group of guys, like I'm with now with Lone Star, to get in a group of guys where we have our eyes on the prize and we just know what we want and we know that there's a value in staying together. And I love that. I love just the staying power of that. And we respect each other. We we listen to each other. And we we care about each other, and we just keep on playing and making music. And I think it shows when people come out to our shows and they listen to us and they see that we're having a good time on stage. That's just such a great thing. But my message here is just don't give up. Don't don't look at this career as like oh I, I'm not going to make it. I can't. I've got other things to do. I want to I want to make more money, or I want to I want to get success quicker. I think that if you stick with it and you don't look at it like I need to be successful next week or two months from now, if you just completely throw that idea away and you just stick with it, you just stay with it and you believe in it and you stay with it and stay with it and stay with it, no matter what happens, you make a living at it, you just do what you need to do and you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going you don't give up you stay with it and another thing that i will say about that about what you how you can make that happen is just be a problem solver one of the great things about michael our guitar player michael Britt, and dean too you know all of us we're all this way but especially michael Britt, he is a to me i've always known him ever since he was in canyon as kind of a problem solver like he looks at what is not working and he he looks at it with a sort of a – he backs, takes a step back and looks at it like the bigger picture and uh, thinks like, what do we need to do here? What needs to happen here? What would, you know, what would Alabama do or what would uh, Steely Dan, you know, some of his favorite uh, bands and that kind of thing, like what would they do? You know, what, what needs to be done here? And then talk about um, making some changes or, or making something better or changing something. And uh, I, I just think that you need to be a problem solver. You need to step back. I've learned a lot being around him and how to think like him, how to analyze like him, how to look at something that's, is that working or is that not working, you know? And then saying, okay, if it's not working or if I have the slightest bit of doubt that something's not working in the in the live show or it could be anything with equipment, anything like that, travel, travel, you know, your travel situation, whatever, What's not working, and what could make it work? What could be a problem? What could be a solve, a problem-solving thing that we could do to make that work? And that's what I have learned to the whole "don't give up" thing. Is that what's not working here? What do we need to do? What do I need to do? What do we need to do to make this thing work? And then you solve one little tiny problem at a time. And once you solve one problem, it's like. Oh my God, that's so much better. Now, what's the next thing that needs to happen? This needs to happen. We have to fix this. 
And then you just kind of keep doing that and chipping away and chipping away. And it's like building a house. Start with the foundation, and you frame, you do the framing, and then you start adding detail and that kind of thing. And next thing you know, you got a great roof over your head and a great place, and all the problem problems have been solved. So that's definitely one thing that I have learned. And and I won't say like that I've learned the hard way because I I've always been that way. I've always be, only because. I never wanted to not be a drummer, so I just had to. There was no, there was never a a time when I was like, oh gosh, just I just go get a job somewhere else, or I'll go choose another career or something like that. That never was an option in my mind. It was always like, what band is is going to be? You know, what's the best way to make this band work over that band? Or I got an offer from this band. What's happening with this other band? It seems like it's kind of everybody wants to do something else so I'll move to that band I'll I'll make my decisions based on solving a problem which is you know what is the what's the best way for me to keep my career going and uh play with the best players I could possibly play with and great guys and that kind of thing so I've just um stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with it and I will just pass that along to any young people that might be thinking about a career is just don't give up on it don't don't throw it away. Don't say, ah, oh, yes, this is really difficult. It hasn't happened in a couple of years. I mean, there's some really, really big bands out there that got together and they didn't get a record deal the first year or the second year or the third year or the fourth year, and they just kept trudging along, making good music, and it's just enough success to kind of keep you going, enough uh, money to live on. Um, all the players are still in the band. They're still staying in the band, and uh, the music's good. The songs are good. What's going on here? We just need to keep on working. And then eventually, you meet some people that really believe in your longevity. They say, man, you guys have been together. You guys are tight. You guys are really good. Let's talk to this record company person and see what we can do. So it's just a matter of keeping that up and keeping going, and don't give up. So the next thing I'll talk about is... um, Number five here is listening. When I first started out, I always start out these things. When I first started out uh, a thousand years ago, no, actually, when I started out back in the early 80s, I wanted to be a drummer in a band so bad, and I wanted to just play. I wanted to show everybody that I was such a great drummer and that I, what, that I could play and I had chops and I could... Um, I could be flashy, and I could play the hardest songs, no matter how difficult the song was. I could handle it. I could do it. And um, it took me uh, several years, probably six to seven years, to really understand that what I really needed to be doing was not showing that I could play all these licks and that kind of stuff, was just to listen. And my lesson here, number five, is listening. Listening to everything. And when I say listening, I mean like, in every possible way you can. Listening while you're playing on stage, listen to what the other players are doing and the dynamics of what are they trying to, what's the mood they're trying to put out. And then you listen to that and you let it, you help them. You help them achieve what they want to do. Um, And you listen to what is going on instead of just being in your own little world playing and doing your part and then making them follow you which is, you know, that's kind of a drummer's job. You lay down the beat and that kind of thing. But beyond that, to be able to play a good groove, but also while you're doing that, while you're laying down that really good groove, there's other things going on in the band that you can listen to and you can you can key in on. And 
it can inform what you play and and how you play and and how your dynamics, how loud you play, how how soft you play. If you need to kind of slow down just a little bit, or if you need to just give that person a little bit more, they're playing a solo or something like that, and you just drop back a little bit and kind of simplify what you're playing. Just things like that, listening to the band. I'm telling you, if you get a group of guys, four or five guys together that have the same uh, skill of listening, like a bass player, a drummer, a keyboard player, guitar player, singer, and everybody's listening to each other and doing what they can do to make this sound like a cohesive whole, to sound like one thing, like a record, that is where you start to get great audiences and uh, really good feedback and you, you, notoriety and that kind of thing. And that's, that's how a band really, really is shining and really, really good. Um, another part of listening is, um, is when you're off, when you're not doing anything, listen to records, listen to the radio, listen to other music, but listen to it and it with a, with a critical ear, but also you're learning. You're, you're not just listening to your part. You're listening to how, how does that whole thing fit together? What, is that a little bit of reverb in there? Is there no reverb? Does this one part a little bit dynamically faster than the other? You're, you're analyzing music as you listen to it. I do it all the time. When I'm running, I have a playlist that I listen to, and I think I, I think I actually hear something different in songs that I've been listening to since I was, you know, in school, since I was like, you know, a teenager, and I still listen to those old songs from the '70s. But I think I pick up something new every single time I listen to something, and that's important. That's that's me analyzing things and going, "Oh, wait, I never heard that little part there before," you know, and just really listening. and And I think that it you 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 start to analyze in your mind, "Why why did they do that?" You know, that little part that I just noticed, I just noticed there. Why did they put that in there? And you start to think about it, and it sort of informs the next time you play something. You think about, "I want to do that." What I heard, I want to try that little tiny little thing that I heard in something. I want to try that. And it just kind of it just makes you a better player, I think, when you listen to things. Um, when you're watching TV, when I'm watching television, I am listening to everything. I mean, I'm listening to the person talking and how they, the, how they mic that person. Like, they have a shotgun mic? Is it close mic? Has it been dubbed? Did they dub it? Can I tell that? Um the music that's playing underneath them, I've learned now that I've been a filmmaker for, you know, a couple of decades, I've learned that scoring a film doesn't have to be necessarily music. A score to a film can be sounds. It can be an ambient sound. It can be a, a tin can being hit with a glove, and you could just make this rhythm out of it. And it could just be almost anything, like an atmospheric sound, and I really enjoy that about watching movies and listening to uh, movie scores and music and that kind of thing and um, it really it, I don't know how does that fit the scene you know how did that music fit the scene and why did they decide to do that it's really really interesting to me so I listen I listen to all that stuff not only do I watch it and I look for the cinematography and the colors and the um, color correction and the focus and things like that I think about the music and I think about the sound and I'm listening to everything. Even when a commercial comes on, I listen to the music in that commercial and what the way people say and 
the sound of everything, even the ambient sounds and things like that. So yeah, listening is very, very important. And I think that it's important for someone to learn to listen. That's important. It's not just listen, but learn to listen. Learn to listen to everything that when you're outside and you hear sounds, just learn to listen. That's a that's the thing that I have like learned over the years to get better at. And I think I have gotten better at that. I listen a lot more. Even when we're playing gigs when we're at soundcheck, I listen. I love to listen. Okay, so now we're on to number six, uh, which is invest in yourself. Invest in, and I don't mean like monetarily. Now, I do mean that. I mean that, yeah, you should invest in yourself. You should always have good clothes as a musician in a band or whatever you do. You should have, you should look great. You should feel great. And, and, and that's an investment in health, investment in, and I don't know, you People have probably heard this thousands of times, you know, eat well and exercise and all that stuff. But seriously, think about it as like you're investing in yourself, in your career. Because you, yourself, you, you are like, um, you're like a company. You're like, uh, you're like a business. Uh, you, you live, you breathe, you work out, you practice, you perform, that kind of thing. You, yourself, are a business. And so if you let one thing go or another thing go, it's going to make other parts of your life suffer. So if you invest in yourself like a business, you work out, um, you, you eat healthy, you um, listen to music, you practice, um, you're just uh, – you're definitely – learning, you reading, reading things about your career, um, magazines, things like that. You're just learning. You're investing in yourself. And I think that's really important. And one of the best ways you can invest in yourself, and I, I know this sounds strange, but uh, is to teach other people. Even if you are not a seasoned pro, you are probably, well, you are definitely better than a lot of other people that may be wanting to learn something new, that they may not know anything about it. You can always teach young people, young kids, about maybe a skill that you have. Maybe if you're not a, a professional drummer, but you can play a good beat, you could teach that to somebody. You could teach that to a young person, and that could spark something that that could, you know, be a whole career, you know, something that they didn't know before, that they didn't know they could do. And that's so valuable, and it makes you feel so good about passing that on to somebody else. And our kids, they are so important to us, the young people in the world. They are our future. You know, I know it's not like a song, but they really are, you know, and to pass along your knowledge to the youngsters out there who may not know the first step to take. And then you just hop in there and you teach them a little something and then you kind of keep that going. It'll make you feel so good. And it's like investing in yourself because you feel good about yourself. And I think every time I teach somebody something, I learn something new myself. And I never knew that. That's some, something that kind of surprised me when I started sort of teaching and passing along information and doing podcasts and things like that. Is I learn something new every single time that I do one of these or that I teach somebody. Um, I learn a little bit new, something new every time. Um, another investment thing in yourself is get rest. Uh, you know, instead of going out partying and um, staying up all night and that kind of thing, rest rest is so important. Your whole life and health and everything. If you don't sleep well and you don't get good rest, then you're just that's just kind of a downhill thing. It's not going to be good for you. So it's important to get a lot of rest and just 
keep yourself going, you know, keep, stay interested and stay, stay happy. Cause I think the more rested you are, the more you practice, the more you learn, the more you listen, and the more you invest in yourself, you're just going to be a better person all around and a better musician and a better band person and just be the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And I think that you, if you take all these little things I've learned over the years to heart and really think about some of them, I think that you'll definitely be a better musician and a better person and you'll set yourself up for a much better career and a career that you can stay with and that you can grow in and that you can be proud of. Just be proud of what you do and keep getting better at it. And, you know, I will say that just because uh, those drummers out there that have that are super millionaires or whatever and they're in these big bands and stuff doesn't mean they're the best drummer in the world. Like you look at Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts it was a great drummer. God rest his soul. He was a great drummer, but he wasn't flashy. He wasn't like Neil Peart. He wasn't like Terry Bozio. He didn't play all those those fancy licks. He just laid down a good groove, and he was a good member of that band, the Rolling Stones. He was just a great drummer for the Rolling Stones, and that's who he was, and that's all he needed to be, you know. And I really look at that thinking like, yeah, that's he was the best version of himself that he could possibly be. And if, if, if you were to take anything away from that, that would be a good lesson is just be the best version of yourself that you can be. Keep on doing what you're doing and keep getting better. And I think you'll be a happy person. And with that, I will say farewell. And I hope everybody has a great, great uh, rest of the winter. And I hope this COVID thing goes away soon. But um, we will see you next time on the next Designated Drummer Podcast. See ya.